Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that MLB is back as well. Who are you, uh, who are you picking to win the World Series? Uh, I'll let y'all know, you know, maybe next time. But Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code believe. That's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. It is the Arizona Cardinals centric specific show where I am one of your hosts. I am Javon J. Love Adams. And with me as always is the one and only Ed Easy Smith. Not only did he play in the professional baseball, but pre- baseball, pardon me, but he also played in the National Football League. I never asked him if he actually did the dirty bird. Cause if you see him, he, he looked like he'd be that smooth dude in the club, but you know, he was a lot lighter and younger at that time. But, and we are also joined by, we're going going to be joined by a special guest and I will introduce him as he is his name is Damian Parson and he is as he describes himself a father a husband but he's also a national scout we're going to pick his brain on things going on with with the draft uh he's works with the uh the draft network and he's also the co-host of the talent factor podcast and I see that he also has another podcast coming up it's called, called the rush report he's going to be doing some of that is diving into running back position and all that and he's also a staff writer for revenge of the bird so it's always so appropriate so first i'll say what's up to our guest easy so what's going on damien how you living man i'm living good man i'm living good just uh i was actually just in arizona uh in uh, scottsdale uh, this past weekend doing some uh some filming and some scouting stuff with the whole td scouting crew so uh, uh you know that dry heat you guys have there is a little different than what i'm used to <laughs> over in south carolina <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, all good man all good so yo easy how you living man good man damien you made a little good time man it ain't even out out here yet that's you what everybody gotta, kept telling me, man. All man, the Uber drivers said the same thing. I was like, man, man. you got a short like, taste. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got about another 20 degrees to add on to what you felt. Yeah. So, yeah, but next time you come out, man, you have to let us know so we can show you the ropes out here. I got you. I got you. So let's get into it a little bit. We have the, the NFL draft that's going to be coming up here at the end of the month. Uh, and of course, we're talking about the Arizona Cardinals. And again, Damien with Revenge of the Birds podcast, so knows about the Arizona Cardinals. So let's get into it a little bit. So the Cardinals have eight draft picks in this upcoming draft. Uh, they have a first round. So pick number 23, they have pick number 55. Right now they have third round pick at 87th overall. Uh, two six round picks at 201st and 215th. They also have a seventh round pick, I mean, seventh round picks, 242, 256, and 257 as it currently stands. So I wanted to ask you, Damien, when, when we look at what the Cardinals needs, you know, in, in our show notes and a couple of, there's all kinds of different uh, mock drafts and all that kind of stuff. But when we look at, before we think about where, the Cardinals, the, the, maybe the position that they may draft or maybe the person that might be, uh, speculated or the people that might be speculated to be picked. What do you feel are the needs for the Arizona Cardinals as they enter this draft? They have three big major needs, I would say. They need a cornerback one, a wide receiver two on the outside, 
and then an edge one, a pass rusher, rusher one, where you we've seen the past two off seasons, Steve Kahn has allowed you know Chandler Jones to walk without getting any compensation for him, and Hassan Reddick the same thing. The Hassan Reddick one was the one that really bothered me the most because of he took a one year eight million dollar deal with the Carolina Panthers. You could you should have tried to figure something out to keep him in house to where now if Chandler Jones does walk like he did, you could try to extend Hassan Reddick and keep at least one of your top two pass rushers in the past, you know, couple years on the team. But in this first round, like it's really it's really difficult because it's like, okay, how do you how do you rank these three needs, right? So it's like, okay, it, to me, it really depends on the board and how the, how, the, how the draft, kind of the first round, how it falls. Right now, it's so much uncertainty. You know, we got a lot of rumors about the Lions possibly taking Malik Willis at two and, you know, the Jets looking to take a receiver at 10. And just it's a lot of smoke right now, right? And the smoke will clear once we get to the draft in two weeks. But it's a lot of smoke, so it just depends on how the board falls. For me, I think cornerback one is arguably the top need, kind of 1A, 1B with edge. And the reason why I say this is because right now you look at, and I talked about it, you know, with the Revenge of the Birds, writing for them, coming into the season, even even if Malcolm Butler did play, the cornerback position was still going to be the Achilles heel of this defense Mm -hmm. because you don't have anybody that could, in, in, in this division, you have to see Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. I'm not even thinking about tight ends right now because that's already that's a headache in itself. Thinking about George Kittle, also with those guys. But you got Brandon Ayuk, Debo, Debo Samuel, who proved to be an elite type of playmaker at the receiver position this past season. You look in Seattle, they got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and then you look at the Los Angeles Rams. Now they bring in Allen Robinson, but before Allen Robinson it was OBJ, Van Jefferson, Bobby Trees, and Cooper Cup. Like that's very frustrating to even game plan for when you do have two quality corners, right? But you didn't even, the, the Cardinals didn't have, we didn't have a, a legitimate guy. So coming in and then Malcolm Butler retires, just kind of not really sure what happened there. You know, no right. one really knows what happened. I'm assuming there was something personal going on and, you know, God bless him. And now he's back with the Patriots. And so I think you look at it, it's like, okay, what's the deepest position out of these three needs? I would say is receiver because we don't need a – Unlike some of these other teams, like the Jets want to X, we got our X. That's DeAndre Hawkins. He comes right. back healthy. That's that guy that's going to pull coverage away from the rest of these guys. Give Rondell more more looks. Give Max Williams and Zach Ertz those looks. And whoever else we are able to put opposite of him if we don't bring A.J. Green back. Edge is deep as well. Cornerback is deep, but it's not deep with a lot of top-tier talent, as in guys that can come in and potentially start day one as an outside number one corner. And mm-hmm. I think that's where that's where the issue is for me. It's like, okay, if a Kyir Elam is on the board, you know, if a if a Trent McDuffie is on the board, I would pull the trigger and take one of those guys over a receiver. Okay. So let's so so Ed, when you look at in terms of, of areas of positions of need, I know you're gonna be hard on the man. You're always hard on the man. <laughs> what what do you Not- say? I, I love this having Damien in because he's like evoking. You always do too, but he's in, invoked some things in me here. And <laughs> one of the things, and I'm going to ask you, Damien, because as Jay's going to get ready to laugh at me even more because he he's heard this. It's almost like same verse, just another chord, right? Mm. I'm always talking about the offensive line, mm. and we, you know we talk about needs, and I'm thinking to myself, 
we need a sturdy offensive line here. And that's not being talked about. I've been, I was driving all day today, listening to some of the other talking heads here in Arizona. And there's a lot of sentiment, just like you talked about wide receiver, uh, a couple other positions. Nobody's talking about that offensive line. I keep talking, I keep going back to the fact that even last year and the year before, we're begging them to address that position. They wait till like the fourth and fifth rounds to go out and get offensive linemen. You know what that's like, David? That's like going to the, uh, the, the, on the weekend, going to the, the, you know, where they got all the, what are this, uh, what's the little shop, the store where they do all the places where you go shop. The farmer's that. market? Farmer's market. There you go. Farmer, you're yeah. the last dude to get there, right? Expecting <laughs> to find the freshest of vegetables. <laughs> all the vegetables and everything been picked I, I like that. I like so, that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, man, what's wrong with y'all? Zucchini, everything. <laughs> You know, bro, All the fresh stuff's been taken, yeah, man. It's five fifty nine. We closing up at six o'clock. You expect to come here and get some fresh zucchini? Oh we my god! Not addressing that, and once again, it's not even on the radar. We're gonna go out and find that shiny new toy to give Kyler Murray. Let's go get him another uh, wide receiver, you know. Or you know, obviously we do have needs on the other side, but mm-hmm. we should address those before you do this wide receiver thing. If we can't keep him standing straight up. We all know he's got a problem seeing over things in the first place. If we can't find a way to keep the heat off of him, i.e. the Rams and some of these other teams. It's okay to laugh, Damien. It's okay to laugh all the time, man. Keep this young man, this little young man standing up straight. What's the point of everything else? So for me, I keep waiting for them to address this offensive line. And what I'm really worried about is because you you guys know, offensive line, that's not the sexy pick. You go out getting right. off as a lineman, you know, everybody, that's the first thing they want to forget. Whereas it's one of them, for me, it's the most important position group on your team. These guys need to be all in one. And we haven't addressed that for years. And here we are, you know, we went out and re-signed uh, Will, Humphrey, no, Will, Will Hernandez from the Giants. That's going to solve it. You know, uh, <laughs> in my opinion, we should really, we didn't do it during free agency. Somehow during this draft, we should go out and spend or you know some quality time addressing that position. I do everything else you said is true. I just think it's getting lost in the in like in the fog that that offensive offensive line state. So no, no, I agree, and I, I think the reason why it's kind of the, the Will Hernandez thing is is interesting because the reason why they they brought him back and they teamed him back up with his former offensive line coach Sean Kugler. Who right. is a really good offensive line coach in his own right, and that's he's part of the reason why Will Hernandez was such a kind of highly touted guy coming out of um, UTEP, if I believe that's the name of the college. Yes, that's but, right. Yep. Um, but I think the main, I think that is kind of is like people are looking at like, okay, well, we filled that situation because main thing everyone and you guys probably agree with me here. No more Max Garcia and Josh Jones, a right guard. <laughs> like no more of that. You know what I mean? Josh Jones yeah. is a tackle. He's built yeah. like a tackle. For some odd reason, they thought plugging this undersized in terms of his frame, like he's a tall, long arm kid, and that works when you're on the perimeter. But you're inside against these big boys who can literally punch you backwards into the the lap of Kyler Murray, and that's what was happening. So it was just like right. it's either he's getting pushed back on pass reps or he's getting stonewalled at the line of scrimmage on rundowns because he can't generate enough power to reset the line of scrimmage. 
So I completely agree with you, Easy. Like you, we gotta. That's something that needs to be addressed. Will Hernandez being that big, physical type of guy, he's got a little nastiness to him as well. And one thing about this team is that they need to get tougher. And I think that's that's a that's a it's a solid signing. It's only a one year deal anyway. So definitely, this draft they need to look at. And even if he does work out, and you extend him next year. Justin Pugh is on the last year of his deal, if I'm not mistaken, and he's yeah, 32, 33 years old. So you still need to prepare for him to either walk because of the contract or even walk because his play could decline as he gets older. So you still need to have a backup plan there. And luckily, this is a this is a good old line group um, in this draft class. So they definitely need to need to hit that hit that position. I think the Will Hernandez thing is give, it's kind of like a band aid a little bit. Like people are like, okay. We brought in Will Hernandez, so our line look, you know, looked much better than having Max Garcia getting beat every rep of every game. You know what I mean? And, not, and you could tell the moment Max Garcia was inserted into that offensive line, you could tell that Colin Murray was not happy. Like you could tell that, like he was not comfortable. He he was not happy. He he just did not seem like himself. Because remember, I think at first he was Garcia was at center when Hudson went down, and. Yeah, Kyler didn't like that. Like I didn't like yeah. it either. I was like, this is this is not working. And then when yeah. Hudson came back, okay, Kyler started to find a little bit more rhythm, especially coming off the, the ankle injury. And then they kicked Mark Scorsese the guard. And I'm like, you guys do know he's gonna face Aaron Aaron Dog. Like this is not a good idea. But nonetheless, coaches made the decision. It was it didn't work out the way <laughs> that they hoped it would have. Um so I think looking that's the that's kind of the weird thing about this draft. Like I said, so much that can happen. Um, like I said, receiver for me in in this class, especially not needing a go to guy, right? When you have DeAndre Hopkins, he's gonna make everybody else's job easier. So you just need somebody that you can rely on to kind of to come in. Because one thing about it, but when when we when we were rolling, Kyler loves the deep ball. Like when Kyler sees one on one, Kyler's gonna take that one on one, and that's what teams. You know, getting like you go back to Easy's point, getting better on the offensive line is going what is going to help James Conner be more effective. I wasn't the greatest fan of re-signing James Conner, to be completely honest with you, because there was okay. too many times. He, he's not dynamic. Like, he's a he's a good back. He he helped in the passing game. But it's, it was too many times where, you know, I'm going to use an analogy here. Anybody's played basketball, especially like in like a rec center or just pickup ball, and you have that center that thinks he's a shooting guard <laughs> that wants to play on the perimeter and, and stuff like that. Like it frustrates the crap out of you. He's like, bro, I'm the point guard. I need you down here to Gross. get these rebounds for me. Yes. He's like, nah, I'm a three point shooter. Kick it. <laughs> like, like, like it drives me insane when I play with big centers like that that don't want to go and be physical in the paint. That's kind of sometimes that's how I look at the running style of James Conner. Mm. He gets a tendency where he wants to bounce this thing outside like he's Saquon Barkley. And it's okay. like, bro, you are not that you're not that guy. You're not yeah. that speed. You don't have that speed or explosiveness. Take what's blocked. And you're a physical 225, 30-pound back. Man, if you don't just keep powering that thing up there, because there's too many times where he wasn't just under three four yards per carry, he was close to three and 2.8 yards per carry in some instances. And that slows down because you're not helping us stay, stay ahead of the sticks that way. First down and you get two second yard, second down, you get two. All right. So we're th- third and six, you know what I mean? So it's still a, t- a situation where the pass rush can get after us. Cause they know we got to pass the ball. Right. So I just, I, w- I wanted them to find, and they still could find one in this draft class, but I wanted them to find at least a more dynamic back to pair with him. But um, yeah, like I said, I mean, the offensive line 
let me let me let me pause on you for that one. Yeah, for did you want to say something? Easy? I, I want to ask Damien one quick question. I don't want to throw yeah. it too too far, but do you think Damien? Because we've preached this before too, and it, which was kind of I was curious why they would you know Connor in my opinion is not the greatest fit. If nothing mm-hmm. else, for the running attack that we have, everything is out of that pistol formation. Mm-hmm. I think he's better suited for something that's more downhill. One, he likes, like you said, he likes to bounce a lot of stuff, but even with out of under the center, you can do a lot of stretch plays yep. to get him going downhill and get him in motion. When you're doing everything out of the pistol, he's got to wait, and then he's got to figure out, am I getting the ball, am I not getting the ball? By right. then, it's too late. If you got any type of penetration, game over. Plus, he's not given any advantage of getting that 200-plus going downhill. So, in my opinion, it was just not a. It's not a good fit. He's made some things look good, yeah. But as far as consistency, I don't think he's that great every down fit for this uh, particular running style. What are your I thoughts? Agree. Yeah, I agree on that. Like he, he definitely is not the greatest fit. And like I said, he he did make things look. He he did play well, yeah. especially down the stretch. Before I think he I think he even got banged up. Injury started to catch us a little bit late towards the season last year. But he 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 was effective. Especially when Chase Edmonds went down, you know he he showed yeah. a lot in the passing game as a receiver, and he just you know that San Fran game where he kind of took over and had a great game running and receiving. It's just not like I said, the consistency just isn't there. Who was playing so, quarterback for that uh, San Francisco game? Oh, Cole oh McCoy, my God, I think. Cole McCoy. Oh, God. Who was under who was under center a little more <laughs> under center? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> some type of formula there. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, believe in the Arizona Cardinals. We are joined by our special guest, Damian Parson. You can follow him on Twitter at dp underscore nfl. He is uh, he works with the Draft Network, and so you guys sometimes it's uh, you throw it's a softball. So we we talked about some of the needs. Uh, so you mentioned one of the needs in terms of edge rusher, just going off of one of these mock drafts. So I want to get your thoughts on this, Damien. So the CBS sports mock draft that I came across uh, had the Cardinals, has the Cardinals picking uh, defensive lineman Boye Mafe. I, I know I'm probably messing my brother's name. No, no, you, that, but, was perfect. that was perfect. So uh, from, from Minnesota in the first round, and then also in the second round, to both of your points, when you talked about running back, running back Ken Walker the third from Michigan State, that, that is a name I do recall hearing a lot during the season at number 55. If that was the case, you know, what what would you think about that? Especially, I, I imagine that since you are, since you have the running back podcast or report that you're going to be putting out that you that you keep an eye on running back so would let's start with the second first would somebody like uh the the running back out of michigan state fit what we have going on here at in the, with the arizona cardinals no he, he would be a great fit you know he's an explosive runner like he has a lot of he, he's not just a boomer bust type of runner though like he he literally he, he will get you the three four yards because he's a physical runner people look at his his weight i think he's like 211 215 you look at him at the combine he's a rocked up like he's a rocked up built kid and he carries it well and he he ran four three six i believe in the 40 okay. his long his his long speed is legit and he he schemed versatile at Michigan State. Before he went to Michigan State, he was at Wake Forest. Wake Forest runs a very weird kind of gimmick offense called the deep mesh, where the you know they're basically reading the end, but they take it almost they take it basically into the line of scrimmage. Just one of the okay. weirdest offenses I've ever seen, and I absolutely hate it. But <laughs> um, I hate that offense. But he he played out of that, and then coming to Michigan State, they ran a lot of trap. 
power inside zone, outside zone. And he ran all of that well. So he fits multiple schemes. He will fit very well what we do. And then he gives that in, in with James Collins, you don't have to give him a full workload. So it's like mm. basically kind of thunder lightning type of situation to create that perfect storm in the backfield, as well as we have an Eno Benjamin to be that extra kind of juice of lightning as well um, in the bottle for us. But Kenneth Walker will fit. He's not the, he catches the ball solid. He just didn't have a lot of opportunities in Michigan States or Wake Forest office. They don't throw the ball to the running back. So he doesn't okay. have the, like some of these other backs that come out, he didn't line up in the slot, not wide a lot. He was mostly in the backfield, in pistol, in shotgun, um, and, and even, you know, dot in the eye for them or, you know, in single back. But he fits what we do, and he gives us a long-term option at running back. I didn't. I I, don't, I mean I love he's my top running back in this draft like he's my he's my favorite running back into this draft that would be a I would love to have him in Arizona I would hate taking him at in the second round because of the other needs we have right. you know what I mean like you know needing corner needing edge and and these are prominent needs I'm not a fan of taking a running back there even though I'm the running back guy I'm just not a fan of that one <laughs> okay and so so when it comes to so so uh Ed if you're if they get a defensive tackle so a, a, an edge rusher of sorts in that first round and then go with the running back what would you what would you think about about that knowing knowing your definite uh, uh desire for something on the offensive line but how would that make you feel in terms of from the cardinal perspective Is, uh, at the outside looking in rooting for the cardinals well, yeah. I, you know, if if it was yeah. a defensive lineman, like especially edge, I would be mm-hmm. all more in than if they spent that first round pick on wide receiver. So obviously, when you lose a Chandler Jones and some of the other pieces we have on that side of the ball, you that becomes a focus. So I would be much happier if they did that. And then, just as Damian said, and I, I love that kid uh, Walker too. Uh, you know, watched him a lot, Big Ten. Uh, I like his style. I think he'd be a great fit here. Just like you, Damien, I'm thinking that might be a little too early to take a running back when you need other things (laughs) so much. And I keep harping on offensive line. Um, And, you know, wide receiver, from what I understand, is a very deep wide receiver draft. I just think we could hold off on that as well. Um, Once again, my fear is that, you know, you look at the number of picks and everything, you start waiting until round three or – even after that, and we're talking into the sixth round when we have our next pick after the third, and you're going out there looking through the, the bin trying to find that all those offensive linemen. I was joking <laughs> with my mom the other day, man. I, we were talking about when we were kids. When I was a kid, you know, she used to go out and, and buy me sneakers from the bin in the Acme. You know, <laughs> I, I was joking. I was like, Mom, how can you send me to school with them things? But, you know, I mean, that's what you're doing. When you're looking in <laughs> sixth and seventh rounds trying to find offensive linemen. Now you going to you going to school with Bobos, bro? <laughs> so I mean, we can't push unless we make trades and move up. If we're gonna be waiting that late, I mean, all bets are off. No, I, I'm, easy, I'm in total agreement with you, though, Damon. That, that's a great point. Not having the fourth and fifth round pick, like I, I, most fans don't really think, don't really yeah. care about those picks. Typically, it's like, man, we gotta have a first guy. Those fourth and fifth round picks, when you have multiple needs like we do right now, yeah. like. They're valuable, you know. Yeah. And, and granted, I think that fourth round pick, along with Tay Gowan, uh, went to Philly to get Zach Ertz. So you know, Zach Ertz is technically our fourth round pick. But in this, in, in I would not be surprised if they try to move back. You know what okay. I mean? Especially with teams like, let's just say, some of these quarterbacks. 
Sam Howell or, or you know, uh, what's it, Matt Corral, one of the, or Des, even Desmond Ritter. If one of these quarterbacks starts to fall towards the back, you know, back of the first round, you can see a team, maybe a team like Seattle wanting to move up and say, you know what, I don't want to risk it. Let me go up. Can I? Let me see if I can move up into the into the twenties. Because unlike popular belief, if you're going to get one of these quarterbacks, like a, if you're going to get a Desmond Ritter or Malik Willis, I'd rather get them in the first round because I got a five year window with them, mm-hmm. that fifth right. year option. Most people are like, yeah, wait to the second. If they fall into the twenties, let me move back up into the twenties and let me go ahead and get my guy rather than trying to play the waiting game because we've seen teams do that and get sniped. It's trying like, oh, I'll sit and I'll. Stand pat. So maybe a team tries to move up for one of these quarterbacks, and we can trade back. And hey, you you know we're gonna move get your second your, your second round pick, but also give us a fourth or extra third, so mm-hmm. that we can like Easy's talking about get that offensive lineman and, and get them earlier in the draft than trying to wait till because go from pick eighty seven to two hundred one. That's yeah, a long man. wait, man. <laughs> yeah, that is a man. long wait. Like that's I mean, fun. we could we could we could try and package maybe a sixth, seventh, and a fifth next year and try to move up into that fifth, that fifth and fourth round. But again, like it's just depending on, okay, are teams willing to make that move? So I got, so, so again, we have uh, Damian, Damian here with us, Damian Parsons. So he also has a uh, staff writer for revenge of the birds as well. In addition to being a national scout for the draft network. But I, so I got to ask this man. So if, if looking in this is kind of, I'm not the dude that like pours over the, the mock drafts, but looking at from NFL.com, it was a, uh, an article by Rhett Lewis where it was kind of the needs versus the best player available. So just the, the question I'm going to ask you is the difference between need versus best player available, especially in that maybe the first, the first and the second rounds to both of you. But they have in terms of need from a mock draft that he put together, Dax Hill safety. From Michigan going to the going to the Arizona Cardinals in the first round, best player available would be Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm this again, just kind of throwing that out there. What's the what is the difference between need versus best player available? I'm at the I'm the twenty got the twenty third pick. I'm the Arizona Cardinals, and I need a defensive tackle. Best player available, just throwing it out there. Let's say is a safety. But I know I need a cornerback or defensive tackle or or a wide receiver. And I say, yeah, go on and get that safety, dog. I mean, come on. I mean, what's the tell me what is what's your definition of need versus best player available? I'll start with you, Damien, and then go to you easy. I think in my opinion, need over best player available is basically like, okay, we cannot walk out of this draft without selecting at this position. You know what I mean? So it's like legitimately looking at it is like, okay. We need a corner, and it, and it, it it's it's tough because you don't want to reach. That's the one thing you don't want to do is, yeah. is you got to look at like you said, look at best player available versus need. Is okay. What are our needs? So you look at your, your top needs. Okay, corner, edge, receiver. All right, best player available. Who's best on the on the board? All right. So you look at those, those <laughs> top. <laughs> and then you start. And then you start second guessing yourself, right? Yeah, like you look at you look at your needs again, and then you look at the players available at those needs. And you're like, okay, yeah. are they better than the best player available? If Jordan Davis is on the if Jordan Davis is on the board, and he's better, like the the receivers that they're on the board, the corners or the edge rushers that are on the board are not a first round value. I'm taking Jordan Davis. I'm taking best player available because that is the that he is legitimately the most impactful 
interior D lineman in this class. What he was able to do, ask Nicobe Dean, the linebacker at Georgia, he'll tell you, big boy kept me clean. So you think about them trying to now, which is so weird how Vance has kind of handled these two young linebackers, Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins in their first, you know, couple years in the league. True. Now you want to place them as that your two middle linebackers in this 34 defense. I, I would love to have a Jordan Davis sit in front of them because you think about Haloli Nata and how valuable he was for Ray Lewis and keeping Ray Lewis clean to let him scrape, let him jump and fill holes, let him blitz and keep those offensive linemen off of him. That's what Jordan Davis brings. So in that situation, you just got to look at the, look at the list of needs. Like, okay, we need these, these, these positions. Who's available at those positions at 23? If it's like a, you know, if it's a Sky Moore receiver, no, absolutely not. We're not wasting, we're not spending the first round pick on a guy that has a second round, maybe third round grade. You know what I mean? Like right. you gotta, you gotta assess that and go, you know what? I'm gonna have to go best player available here because our needs, it just doesn't fit the talent that's on the board. Okay. Easy. David almost stole my thunder because I was just going to say one name and he actually said it during while he was talking. Zayvon Collins. We had already done that the year before mm-hmm. with Isaiah Simmons. Why go out and get a second Isaiah Simmons? There was no need for that. We could have yeah. spent that pick on so many other things. And then the, the downfall of that, Jay, is we saw, you know, obviously – Isaiah was working under different circumstances with COVID, no uh, camps and different things like that. We saw the, I guess, lack of development in his first year. Second year, he came a little bit further along. But we repeated the process with Isaiah Simmons, go out and get a player like him. There were games when you and I had to check whether he was on the DNP list because he had so little stats, you know, one tackle and stuff like that. And was like, you spent that first-round pick on that? when you could have gone out and done so many other things that you needed, but I guess they saw he was the best player available and we can't pass that up. No, he was not. And I'm going to tell you why. I don't think he (laughs) was either. (laughs) He was not. Easy. I'm going to tell you right now, he was not the best player available. Uh, Because if I remember correctly, uh, after that pick, the Browns selected cornerback from Northwestern, Greg Newsom Jr., and paired him with Denzel Ward. That was the pick that they should have made. I I love Zayvon Collins coming up, yeah. but you knew you needed. Again, we talked about talking about need and and best mm-hmm. player available. The need and the best player available met exactly <laughs> on the same line, and they decided not to. to they decided to pivot and say, you know what, we're going <laughs> linebacker. It's like, wait a minute, you're spending two first round picks back to back, and the the problem I have with it is that Vance Joseph and Steve Kime. Went ahead. They, you had these pre-draft discussions. You made. You came to an agreement to get both of these kids, and then you didn't yeah. have a plan for either one of them. Like it just Man. did not make sense to me. Yeah, we could have had a number one corner in Greg Newsom Jr. instead of Zayvon Collins. Yeah, it's that's the funniest thing. It's like you have these, as you mentioned, you have all these these draft board discussions and all that stuff, and you see. I wonder if, like for example, Vance was in there and said, "Okay, we about to get the quarterback," and all of a sudden, Kyle said. Nah, we about to get Zay. No, Kyle kind of played the safe. He went with the linebacker. He was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm I said, wait a minute. Now I need that. I need that cornerback. 
nah, dog, I got this. And then Vance is like, well, I ain't got no plan for him. So I- <laughs> <laughs> Vance is like, I don't know what we're going to do with him. But, you know, I mean, I'll find something, you know. like. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, man. So, hey, really, man, it has been a blast. We uh, hope you have enjoyed it as much as we have, Damien, man. We uh, we would love to have you back. So, uh, sure. uh, again, Damien Parson, follow him on Twitter <laughs> at DP underscore NFL. He's a national scout for the Draft Network and also is a staff writer for Revenge of the Birds. So, so uh, on behalf of the one and only Ed Easy Smith, my name is Javon J. Love Adams. Thanks to our special guest, Damian Parson. We, we got to have him back, man. We have, we like, we, when you come to the crib, now you ain't a guest no more. You know to find the water, you know where the bathroom at, all that good stuff. But uh, as we always like to say around this time, thank you for listening. Tell a friend to tell a friend about what we have going on here. Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. And then also we are presented by Delete My Bet Online. And so as I always like to say, you can. Until next week, be easy out there. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.